Good evening, everyone, my friends. The gospel um, today, um, there's many ways for the pastor or a preacher to go. Uh, much has been given. And so I want to uh, see, Jesus said something in this gospel. Um, he has an injunction directed at us. And uh, in the opening line from our gospel, that need, uh, and he said, if you do not hate your father and mother, uh, and brother and sister, and then he goes even to yourself, um, you cannot be my disciple. And uh, he also said, uh, you must carry your cross. Uh, this has caused many people to have anxiety uh, because of the injunction Jesus says. And uh, when Jesus spoke about self-centered rich people who refused to follow him, the people cheered. And uh, when Jesus criticized the Pharisees and called them hypocrites, the folks nodded their heads, that's right, in agreement with Jesus. And when Jesus spoke out against the legalistic nitpicking ways of the scribes, folks thought it was amazing that a rabbi would do that. Um, and when Jesus pointed his finger at evil out there, um, folks were in agreement. But in the gospel passage, Jesus stops and turns to the crowd of would-be disciples who are following him. And he's saying, and now you. What about you? Are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to take up your cross of discipleship with all of its cost? To take his cross, the wooden one. My friends, people look at what Jesus said, and some folks like to think that he likely did not say that, uh, that it was just the gospel writer putting it in, or that uh, he didn't mean it that way. Um, but we must accept the fact that these are the words of Jesus Christ. However, if taken literally, Jesus' opening statement would contradict all that he otherwise had taught and believed. It shows the great difficulty of trying to interpret every word and pericope of the Scripture. Pericope is a line from the Scripture, uh, literally, uh, as some Christian fundamentalists strive to do, without its proper context. One must take all of the Scriptures together to, uh, and apply them to understand what's happening. We cannot at once love everyone, including our enemies, as Jesus commanded, and at the same time hate our own parents. Do you agree? That's not possible. Jesus pressed his followers to love others and not to hate. Save this instance. It is strongly suggests Jesus is doing something. He's using what we know as dramatic, Semitic speech. It was very typical of Jewish people to do this uh, in that instance. Today, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I guess we'd have to ask the rabbi. <laughs> no, she's not a rabbi, but she knows the rabbi. Uh, I guess we'd have to ask the rabbi, do they still talk that way? What Jesus is doing is exaggerating his point to make clear something. What is that something? That we must love God above all other human beings and all other things even that which is most dear to us. This is what he's saying. Jesus is reminding us in the most forceful possible way that God must always come first 
and that uh, he must have priority in our lives. And this type of Semitic verbiage is furthermore confirmed by the scriptures regarding Hebrew language and how they spoke. Hebrew vocabulary was limited in expressing graduations in human affection from love to hate. It had a word for love and it had a word for hate, but nothing really in between. Ancient Hebrew mode was you either loved somebody or you hated them. There was no real middle ground. And my friends, this makes me wonder about today when we see the, uh, the Arabic community and the Hebrew community in the Middle East, there doesn't seem to be a middle ground with them. They either hate each other or love each other. So that tells me this kind of mode is still happening. This understanding provides a bit of insight into um, what is going on here today. Other instances in the scriptures would support what I'm putting forth to you, particularly in Deuteronomy 21.15. However, there's even one that becomes more clear. It's in Luke's Gospel, 16.13. Shows this dichotomy when Jesus speaks of a man with two masters, hating one and loving the other. No middle ground. Because there wasn't a word for it then. The point there, as here in the image of hating one's parent, is that there can be no rivals for our affections when it comes to the love we have for God, to what we owe him for all that he has done. Having explained this, I know that some of you still find this gospel harsh and unrealistic. But I want to close with an analogy that a seminary professor used about this very gospel and the demands uh, that he will... I'm going to read you another piece of scripture. And the, God, the, prof, the professor said, people hear that and uh, they're enamored with it. They love it. Nuptials. Couples who are about to be married. Choose Genesis 2, 18 through 24. Always for, almost always for a wedding. When I tell you what it is, you'll, you'll know. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. Now, in the Greek, the word leaves means to turn his back on. This is why the man turns his back on his father and mother and clings to his wife. And the two of them become one body. When you're at a wedding, the parents are just, oh, I just love it. No one seems to be bothered that the couple is henceforth called to love each other more than their own parents. That being so, why then does today's gospel asking us to love God more than we do our parents strike such a nerve with Christians? Why? I just presented you another scripture that says almost the same thing. My brothers and sisters, at the same time, no one in your lives, I suspect, ever fear if your love for God surpasses your love for them. 
For if we love God above all things, we will truly love and honor our parents as the fourth commandment tells us to do. And the fourth commandment is the only one that has a prize with it. Love, honor your mother and father so that your days may be long. It's the only one of the Decalogues that have a prize. God attached a prize to it. Do this and you will have a long, he didn't say happy, long life. <laughs> if we love God above all things and before all things, we will never be unfaithful to a spouse. If we love God above all things and before all other things, we will never neglect or abuse another human person. When God truly comes first in our lives, all other relationships necessarily fall into place naturally and quite perfectly as they should be. And regarding carrying the cross, it is our unique and very personal way of showing our fidelity and our love to the Lord. The love we have for our Lord and the cross we have that each one must carry can change each one of us in a very profound way, taking us from would-be followers, fans of Jesus Christ, to actual true disciples. Jesus said, all things must be second to me. All things must be second to me. Period. Go and pray about it. Make it happen in your life.